Okay, let's turn in our Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. Or if you've got the teaching notes, you can follow along with that as well. Because I have the verses there. On the notes, I edit the verses down to get right to the points that I want to, but I expect you to go look at the whole context in your own timing. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we ask you for the spirit of grace to touch our hearts even now. Lord, that you would touch us. You would inspire us. You would carry us, as your beloved son said, the shepherd that carries the sheep back to the path, that got off the path. Come and carry us as a people, because we need your strength. We're not strong enough to make the adjustments and corrections that you're inspiring us to say yes to. So we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We ask you for grace, for fasting. Lord, that we could stay with this and in the conversation with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm on my way to Revelation 3, but on page 1, I'm going to give a little context. And those of you that know some of the prophetic history, you'll recognize a lot of the uh, things I have on page 1. But I'm going to do this rapid fire. So some of you that say, I don't really even know what you're saying, I apologize on the front end because my point tonight isn't to develop these amazing stories. They're, they're truly amazing. But it would take an hour to do it even in a somewhat adequate way. But I'm just referencing it to create the context for another point. Paragraph A, I would consider it one of the most dramatic encounters I've ever had in my life in Cairo, Egypt. I spent about 20 minutes talking about this encounter on the prophetic history tapes that are right there on the website. But the Lord said, I'm going to change the understanding and expression of Christianity in the entire earth in one generation. This was about 38 years ago, or maybe a little bit more, and my spirit just trembled under this encounter. Big encounter. I'm going to move on. A month later, paragraph B, we moved from St. Louis, which I'd been pastoring for seven years in St. Louis, to Kansas City. Paragraph B in November. Actually, November 1st. At the end of the month, we're going to start our new church here in Kansas City, our young adult church. But we had a home meeting before our first public service, which was the next week. And in this home group, we were just talking and praying about next week we start. We had about 50 people. But the Lord surprised us, and I'm not going to go into this story, but it was a dramatic surprise. And the Lord emphasized that this people would be like Gideon's army. And it was such a random, unusual kind of interruption of the Lord, which I won't tell the details of. I have on other occasions. Every, not everybody, but of the 50 people, most of them were gently weeping in the room, and we were taken by surprise. Paragraph C, about three months later, our young adult church were over in Overland Park, 109th, about 109th in row. And we're three months later, the church is going, and Bob Jones, I meet him the first time. And this ends up being one of the more significant appointments in the Lord in my life. And at the time, I, of course, I didn't know it. So the church is three months old. We come in. The story, the 30, 40-minute story, I'm not going to tell. 
but the Lord supernaturally confirms that Bob Jones was sent from the Lord on May, on March 21st, two weeks after the first meeting, on the first day of spring when the snow melts. The Lord confirms it. And that, as most of you know the story, that was like, wow, this is really the Lord. Unusual. So, okay, I'm looking at this man that I don't, can't really relate to well, and we're going to be working together in your prophetic, and okay, let's do this thing. Well, three weeks after the Lord confirms it on the first day of spring, March 21st, that Bob really was sent from the Lord, I'm in our evening prayer meeting, and the Lord speaks in this again. I'm giving you all these dramatic things. I'm putting them right in a row because I'm getting to another point, which is the main point I'm giving the context for. It was April 13. It's about three weeks after I know that Bob was sent from God, though I could not know by my natural observation, but the Lord confirmed it unmistakably. The Lord speaks to me in what I call the internal audible voice, which I would acclaim four or five times in maybe five, six times in, in 40, 50 years, I've had this kind of absolutely clear interaction with the Lord. And he tells me about a 21-day fast. And we're going to start it in about three weeks on May 7th. And he gives me Daniel chapter 9, Daniel 10. And I'm just struck, I'm perplexed. Uh, I'm new in the city, and I'm going to call a citywide fast. I'm the newest pastor of the city, one of the youngest. And I go, no, I don't think so. But the Lord says, yeah, you are. The Lord spoke Daniel chapter 9. And in Daniel 9, Gabriel visited Daniel and gave him information about the uh, end-time move of God. So I call Bob Jones the next day, and I've believed he was sent from the Lord for now three weeks, but I've never talked to him since that night on the first day of spring. So I go, well, I, I guess I really need a prophetic guy now. I call him on the phone to see what he would say about that encounter I had the night before with Daniel 9 and starting on May 7th, a 21-day fast, where Gabriel visited Daniel. So I call up, I said, Bob, this is Mike, you know, the young guy at the church. And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 I knew you'd call today. He says, come over, I'll tell you what happened to you last night. I said, okay, this works if this is real. <laughs> so I go over to his house. He says, I'll tell you before you tell me. Then you'll know it's the Lord. I go, yeah, I like that. That's a good arrangement. He said, the Lord visited you last night with Daniel chapter 9. He said, and in 40 years of ministry, Bob has only claimed to have seen Gabriel one time in his life. It was that night. You know, that night when I heard that. He said, I saw Gabriel. He said, give the young man Daniel chapter 9 and he'll understand. I was like, how did you know this? He goes, I just told you. I heard from an angel to just give you Daniel 9 and you would understand. And he says, and the Lord says that on this day that you are going to begin, I said it's a 21-day fast. He goes, when you begin that fast, he said on May 7th, he understood it was May 7th. I go, yeah. He goes, there's going to be a comet come across the sky unpredicted by scientists. And it will be a heavenly sign. Really? Like a comet unpredicted by scientists. Well, May 7th, our young adult church gathered and 
leaders from all over the city. I was amazed. I don't know, maybe one or 200 pastors, maybe not that many, I don't really remember, but the place, the room was, we had a 700-seat sanctuary. It was jam-packed and leaders from everywhere who I didn't know any of them. I was new in the city. Bob Jones comes up to the front row and he doesn't say nothing to anybody. We're worshiping. I'm sitting right there on the side and he shows me the newspaper, Kansas City. I think Kansas City Star, I can't remember, but there were two or three papers. It says, Comet unpredicted by scientists is seen coming across the United States on May 7th. I went, he goes, I told you that three weeks ago, that it would be established with a comet. So we go on the 21 days, May 7th, May 28th. Those, that 21 days, 38 years later, I look back, one of the real key moments of this young adult movement that we're related to, and there's many facets of the global young adult movement that's far beyond our boundaries and our purview and our involvement. The, there is a global young adult movement of prayer and worship and missions and church planning that is, you know, thousands of movements are contributing, but we have our assignment in that larger movement. And so this 21-day fast, established by a comet, Gabriel appears and says, Daniel 9, wow, I am so full of faith. I, am, I just can't believe this has happened. You know, I've known Bob Jones two months now, and already about four supernatural things have happened. I thought, I, I don't know how to relate to this. So we have these two dramatic words that take place in that 21 days. That's when the Lord speaks audibly. You're going to have 24-7 prayer with singers and musicians in the spirit of the tabernacle of David. And then the promise of no disease known to man would stand before this people that the Lord would not heal. Every disease known to man would be healed. Those are two major encounters that each would, even if I did it a quick, would take 15 minutes. I don't want to do that. Again, all these stories are on our website, the videos and the handouts, the notes with all the dates and the information. This is just a little quickie here. So May 28th comes. It's the last day of the fast. We think revival is breaking out May 28th. We've done it. Comet, Gabriel, first to spring when the snow melts. I mean, all these... Why wouldn't revival come? I mean, if I was God, I would send a revival after 21 days of that with all that. Bob Jones, first time he ever talked on the microphone in, in our world, because the 21 days, it was all behind the scenes, and nobody knew who he was, two or three people, and, and I was kind of like not sure what to do, how to go public with this, because it was rhymes and riddles and parables and strange things and big statements about how amazing God was going to use this young adult movement many years from now. Because Bob uh, even told me, he says, the, 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 the things, the, the, the greater dimension of what God's promising will happen, he said, after his own death. Bob died about six or seven years ago in his 80s. He goes, it'll be after I'm gone. He goes, you'll be one of the oldest men in the movement. Well, here you have it. <laughs> 65 and happy. Anyway, May 28th, first time he walks up on the microphone, you know, I go, uh-oh. He's never talked on a microphone. And I don't understand him many times, even when I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, you get it? You get it? And I go, kind of, yeah, I think. <laughs> he would grab the microphone. And the whole room was going, Who, who's he? Who's this guy? He goes, well, I got good news and bad news. He goes, the uh, good news is God's going to answer the prayer of this 21-day fast. And again, the prayers of many, many others, not just that. There's going to be a supernatural great awakening in America, a third great awakening 
in the Lord's timing. Or yay, like the Lord's timing should probably start tomorrow. <laughs> but a third great awakening where, you know, millions are going to get saved. And we're just using the, num the number 50 million. It, maybe more. The third, the greatest Amer uh, Amer uh, awakening in America's history. He says, that's the good news. It's going to happen. But the bad news is it's not going to happen for a while. I go, what do you mean? He goes, it's not going to happen right now. He goes, matter of fact, he goes, the Lord's going to give you a sign. He goes, here's the truth. There's a spiritual drought on the church in America right now. I go, yeah. But here's the point you don't know. There's an appointed time. God in his sovereignty already knows the time. Specifically, he's going to lift that drought and the rains of the Spirit are going to come. Yay! He goes, but what you don't know is that the drought's going to continue for some years. Wait, we just went on a 21-day fast. and I mean, we're wrung out. because I mean, a number of folks did this water fast and, you know, we're, we're like really intense about it. I mean, just... And we're tired, we're weary, we're, we're completely exhausted. Because back in those days, we didn't have music. So we were just shouting on the microphone from 6 in the morning till midnight. It was, my nerves were like this on day 8. You know, just, devil in the name of Jesus. And then the next guy, devil. I'm just going like, I can't, I don't know if I can do this, you know. <laughs> there was so much screaming and almost no music at all. We had music from 7 to 8 every night. That was it. It's like, why didn't I do music? <laughs> You cannot fathom what 17 hours of screaming from 6 a.m. to midnight for 21 days on a water fast is like. People said, it must have been awesome. I said, absolutely, it was not. <laughs> well, he says there's a spiritual drought. He goes, and the Lord's going to give a sign in the heavens. Again, sign in the heavens means weather patterns, not always weather patterns, comets, weather patterns, many types of signs in the heavens. He goes, there'll be a drought over this city in the natural for three months. And that will be a sign that there is a spiritual drought over the nation. And he says this on May 28th. I mean, how, who could say this? He goes, on August 23rd, this is May 28th, you know, three months. August 23rd, the rains will come. I go, how do you know that? He goes, I promise you, I heard it audibly. <laughs> And it will be a sign. There is a sovereign moment, and the drought this nation will lift, and you're going to be encouraged by this. And I mean the summer goes, June, July, uh, the pr our prayer meetings. We had nightly prayer meetings. They were oppressed. Everything was uh, August 23rd. I can't remember, but it was really hot that day. I don't remember the temperature, but it was hot. And I thought, I don't think there's much chance. And it's the second worst drought by like a tenth of an inch, something like that, in history of Kansas City, of them keeping records of 100 years. And it's this terrible drought. August 23rd, 7 o'clock, we gather into the church building, you know, whatever. And it, I mean, the just pounding rain comes for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. I, I can't really remember, less than 30 minutes probably, but just, I mean, torrential rain where the people could not leave their cars and come into the building it was that intense for two, three, four, five, 10, 15 minutes. I don't know because we were inside screaming and hollering, yeah, the drought's going to break someday. Well, 30 day, 38 years later, we've had moments, seasons of renewal and strengthening, but we've not, we've had revival centers. We've seen Pensacola. We've seen Toronto. We've seen other places, Pasadena, some other places, but not a third great awakening. It's 38 years later. But I knew on that August 23rd, 
I knew on that August 23rd that there was going to be a sovereign time and not to lose hope. Well, paragraph H, here's the, the thing I want to give most of the story to right here, paragraph H, and then a little bit on Revelation 3. Most of the notes on Revelation 3, this Laodicean, are for your own reading. We're not going to cover them all tonight. Because some of you, the Laodicean message is, is brand new to you. And others, it's new. I mean, you know it. I mean, you kind of know the, the storyline, but it hasn't really grabbed you yet in a personal way. It's like, yeah, yeah, I, I believe it. But you haven't seen yourself in that storyline as having a dulled heart that's about to get rescued by the Lord. And when it becomes personal, this story becomes really real, but it's more than just personal. It's the storyline of the church in America. It, the Lord is really going to rescue us. I mean, for sure he is. Well, in the, in the earth too, not just in America. I'm just talking locally, but all over the earth, there's a Laodicean spirit that's on the church. The vast majority are stuck in spiritual boredom, spiritual compromise, dullness, just, you know, just lack of interest, lack of hunger. They love Jesus, but like, yeah, I don't know, it's just... It is what it is, you know, it's kind of settled in to business as usual, not happy about it, but not overly grieved by it, just, it is what it is. That's the Laodicean spirit. The word is boring, prayer is boring, fellowship is boring, entertainment with believers is fun, if the entertainment's fun, but if we stop and read the word, it's a little boring, you know, the guy goes on and on, the other guy goes on and on, and then she goes on and on, it's like, okay, we did fellowship, let's get on to something fun now. That's a Laodicean spirit. There's dullness, there's boredom, there's lack of interest. But the heart is genuine. I do love you. I'm really born again. I really, but it, I'm a little bothered by this. But not enough to really do anything radical in my lifestyle. That's the Laodicean condition of which hundreds of millions of sincere believers are in the earth are in. But the good news is he is going to rescue the church in America. The church in the earth, it is going to be in a, a great awakening and the great billion soul harvest is coming in. But the billion soul harvest is going to come into an on fire church that will disciple them with a vibrant spirit, with radical love and radical obedience, et cetera, et cetera. So here's paragraph H. This is, I, just, I gave you the context to get you to paragraph H. Because now, you know, Bob Jones, March 7th, 1st of spring, March 21st. Daniel, Gabriel, Daniel 9, March 13 and 14. May 7th, the comet. I mean, all these amazing things. At the very end of it on the 28th, in August 23rd, the rains will come. It comes on August 23rd. It's like, wow. Just like, hey, this is like, we're, we're in the right conversation with the Lord right now. He's, you know, he's made a point to emphasize this. So Bob Jones, paragraph H, comes to me. It's in November. It's a few months later. Things are still really dry. There's no evidence of a spirit of revival at all. And I am still perplexed because I'm thinking the drought, maybe it's just a few months longer. I have no idea. 38 years later, I'm still waiting for the drought to lift. But it is going to, and it's not late. The Lord is on time. He knows what he is doing. Because when he revives his church and there's tens of millions of on-fire believers ready to receive about 50 million new believers, 
Everybody's going to be walking, everybody, the vast majority, in humility, in gratitude, in meekness. No spiritual triumphalism. No elite spirit. We're the dedicated ones. We birthed this thing. Everybody's going to be, I love you, Jesus. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. You use people like us. Oh, my goodness. And the whole thing is going to be about him. He knows what he's doing. Song of Solomon says, coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on our beloved, leaning and limping and loving, but coming up in victory with no strutting at all. That's a miracle beyond measure that you can have power and influence and miracles and have millions not strutting about it. Deep in their heart, they're not just faking it like, oh, glory to Jesus. In their soul, they're going, you know that I know that you know that I know I shouldn't even be here. <laughs> and I am, and you're happy about me being here, and I'm happy that you're happy, but you and I know that you and I know that's the coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on their beloved, Song of Solomon 8.5, which is right before Song of Solomon 8.6, the fire of love, etc. Well, let's get to the paragraph H. I got enough build up for it. November 7th, Bob Jones comes up to my office. I mean, to the church, the prayer meeting. He goes, things are a little tough. And I go, yeah, boy, it's been six months. I mean, no revival, not even close. I mean, we went, we went back a couple notches. I'm not joking. We had a momentum in our church. Then the 21-day fast was super momentum. And then we went into June, July, August, September, October, November. It's just, and perplexity, and, but I mean a feeling of heaviness, of not goodness. <laughs> I'll just make up a word. He says, uh, comes in November 7th, he goes, hey, November 15th. I don't know why those dates, I, I don't even know the significance. He goes, November 15th, I heard from the Lord again. You know, one of his dream audible voice encounters, he goes, the Lord's going to visit you sovereignly from heaven on November 15th. I said, Really? He goes, you're going to hear directly from the throne of the Father on November 15th, in like in eight days. And he says, and when you hear what he tells you, you will never doubt again that what happened on May 7th, four or five months ago, that 21-day fast and that comet, you'll never, ever doubt it again after November 15th. I go, well, I'm not really doubting. I mean, we did have Gabriel, Daniel 9, a comet, a rain August 23rd, first of spring of the snow melts, plus the day Bob Jones met me, told me a bunch of things that, I said, I'm not really doubting. He says, the Lord says you are. I said, I guess I kind of am. He says, no, no, you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I really am. I just didn't have language for me being a doubter. <laughs> After those kind of encounters for a couple months, What? Well, I'm just like the other guys, okay? That's how it goes. And then he says, you will never doubt again. After I go, direct encounter with the throne of God, I said, "Is am I going up or somebody coming down? <laughs> I actually meant it. He goes, it doesn't make any difference. If it's from him and it's clear, it doesn't matter how it comes. You can count on it all your days. Wow. He says, you'll never doubt what happened back in May 7th when that comet came in that 21-day fast and those words that were promised in the middle of that 21-day Solomon assembly. You'll never doubt that again. It's a sovereign movement that won't be stopped by man. Well, paragraph I, 
it's November 15th. I mean, I'm on. You know, it's noon. It's five. Nothing happens. We have our seven o'clock. We had prayer meetings every night for the, for the 16 years before IHOP started. We had even seven nights a week prayer meetings. So, oh, it's going to happen at the prayer meeting, seven to ten. No music. Oh, gosh. <laughs> It's going to happen. I don't, I'm not telling anybody, you know, because I don't want some guy to help me out with some little hamburger helper, you know, prophetic word, you know, that I want no help on this. This has got to be from heaven. So only me and Bob knows that, know this. So it's the prayer meeting, seven, um, eight, it's oppressed and boring. Nine, it's oppressed. Ten, ugh, I'm glad that meeting's over. <laughs> Nothing happened. Well, it's two hours. So I just decided to stay in my office at the church where the prayer room was and over at Overland Park. And I thought, Lord, this is going to hurt my heart because <laughs> I, I actually am really hurting, to be honest, now that you know that I am, now that I know that I am. Because <laughs> I didn't have language that I actually was, but I go, no, I really am. So it's about 11.15. Nothing. It's too late to start fasting. You know, I got 45 minutes till midnight, you know. <laughs> So I'm going through my mail, and I've given up, but I'm going to stay there till midnight anyway. So I go through my mail, and, and I come across this book. It's this really not attractive-looking book. It's about 50 pages called Placebo. I don't even know what a placebo is. And, you know, I looked it up. I know what it is now. But you know, what, are, what a weird book title. And so it says, Baptist pastor, something like this, dies and goes to heaven. I love death experiences when people go to heaven and come back and tell the story about, you know, how glorious. Like, oh, I might as well tell midnight, you know. So I'm reading it, and here's this Baptist pastor named Howard Pittman. I encourage you, we, we got the book. I got it written here. We got it in our bookstore. We get, get it on Amazon. I encourage everyone to read this book. It's really personal to this movement, this book is. And he says, uh, Baptist pastor hemorrhages in his abdomen, and he dies in the operating room or in the emergency room. He dies. So I'm reading it. I go, wow, he's a police officer, and he does a weekend preacher at little churches. He would go, you know, travel around, and he dies, and the angel takes his spirit before God. And I'm going, I am so engrossed in the story. And I'm standing there. He goes, I'm standing outside of the city, the New Jerusalem. I'm outside, and the angel, uh, uh, he's there, and... Uh, he says, I want to ask the Lord if he'll give me my life back. And the angel brings him there. And Howard Pittman stands outside. And he hears the thunderous audible voice of God on the inside of the city and the glory of God emanating out of the city. Because I talked to him. He visited a couple times after that. And I talked hours with him to get even more details. And this glorious, and he's so excited. He goes, Lord, I've been dedicated to you. Lord, I've taken care of orphans. Lord, I've given to the poor. Lord, A, B, C, D, E. He goes, would you give me, like Hezekiah or something like that, 15 more years or something, give me some more years. He says, I stood there. He said, and the word of God, the Father's voice came over the city and told him, I mean, this was intense. You read it in the book. And he said, your life has been an abomination in my sight. And it knocks him over, the voice does. And he says, I have no strength to even think. I am devastated. The angel takes my spirit, 
brings it back to the emergency room. I'm about to enter my dead or dying body, however it works. I don't know how it works. And he saw it and he goes, wait. Tells the angel, God never answered me. Yes or no. He simply said my life was an abomination because of pride is what it comes down to. So the angel, of course, the angel gets what's going on, takes him back. And he stands outside the city. He goes, Father, I did this so that people would pay attention to me. I did this so I would be esteemed by others. I did this without even connecting to you in the eyes of men, just so that I would get applause and be, have, and then he goes, I'm sorry that I have never, hardly ever talked to you. I don't really know you very well. And the Lord says to him tenderly, I love you. I love you. He goes, I want to give you a message. And I want you to go back and I want you to preach this message. This is in August 79. And he says, I'm going to give you five points. And I'm just going to give one or two points. You can read the book. It's only 50 pages. And then he's got another book called An Eyewitness Account of Demons, where he saw the demonic realm part of it in that encounter. He wrote another 50-page book on that. I recommend both of them. But anyway, he sends it. He goes, I'm going to give you a five-point message, and you can get the five points later. But he said one of the points is go back and tell the church. I mean, globally, this the church has got a Laodicean spirit of compromise on them. Now, I'm not talking about the dispensational doctrine of the seven church stages of the seven churches of Revelation 2 and 3. Some of you know what I mean. That's not what I mean. The Lord says the church in this hour has a Laodicean spirit globally. That's why I'm so bold about this. I am so, I say it strong and I get people upset at me and I go, I'm positive God's going to anoint this message and rescue his church. But the message has got to be heard and received and responded to. And I'm not backing down. It's not America. It's all over Asia. It's all over Africa. It's all over Europe. It's Latin America. It's everywhere. Not everybody. There's tens of millions of on-fire believers, hundreds of millions of born-again believers under this Laodicean spirit of dullness. Hundreds of millions. But the billion-so harvest is going to be entrusted to them, and the Lord's going to wake them up. He's, he's fully committed to rescuing the church. Fully committed. And that's what Revelation 3 is all about, actually. I'm going to rescue you. But God tells Howard Pittman, this hour across the nations, it is the Laodicean church. And so where I stand, I, I want to be tender and humble about it and hopeful and kind, but I won't back away from that. I'm sure it's the true message. It's not the only message, but Revelation 3. Laodicean, as I've said previous weeks, it's the, one of the, it's of the seven churches. It has the worst description spiritually, but it has the greatest promises. And we're stuck, the body of Christ in the earth right now. We're stuck with dark emotions, disconnect from the Lord. We're working hard, but we're not dining with him. We're not interacting with his heart, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why we don't want to move on too fast past this. We've been like three weeks in a row on it, you know, Friday and Sunday. Laodicean, okay, I think we did the Laodicean thing. No, this thing's layered. It's layers and layers. It is so important that we get the warning the rebuke and the promises, and they're real to us. He tells him another point. I'm not going to give you all five of them. He says, John 14, 12. He says, You're in the, and when I revive the church, there I'm going to release miracles greater than Elijah. And the Lord tells him, John 14, 12, greater works than these. Howard Pittman's a Baptist pastor. He's all contrite and humbled, and he thinks, he tells me this. He goes, I think, I don't 
believe in miracles. They already passed away. He said, I thought it. The, I couldn't help it. It came to my mind because I did believe that miracles were not for today. And the Lord says, you're greatly mistaken. And he said, yes, yes, sir, yes, yes. <laughs> and and, and when, he, you know, when I got to know him, he said, that's so exciting. I mean, I heard that with my ears and I, I have been really mistaken. It's going to happen. You're going to see this in your day. So the end of the story is, we're getting right down to, I guess, I'm, I'm guessing 50 pages. I'm, I don't know the exact number, but I'm about page 48, 49. And the Lord tells him, he says, and I want you to encourage a group of young people. Oh, that's neat. He says, and they, starting May 7th, 1983. I know May 7th, 1983. We gathered before the Lord. He says, and I will send a sign across the heavens to confirm that day. That's our story. And these people are like a Gideon band. That's what the Lord said the year before in November at that, our first meeting at home group in that powerful way that I didn't describe Gideon. We couldn't make sense. He goes, go back and strengthen them. Like, oh my God. I turn to the back of the book, copyright, 1980. This is 1983. How did you know in 1980 that on May 7th, a, a sign of the heavens would come and God was gonna be raising up not just us. This was just a kiss to us here. It's, it's a global reality. It's, it's for millions and millions of young people. Raise up a Gideon group of people that would touch the ends of the earth. I'm going, this is incredible. This is unbelievable. I look up, it's five minutes till 12. Three minutes till 12. Something like that. It's November 15th. I call up Bob. Bob's waiting anxiously all night. He's midnight. One ring, hello. He goes, did you go up or did someone come down? That's what he said. He's wait, one ring, boom. I said, Bob, you're not going to believe. He goes, oh, no, no. You're the one who doesn't believe. I go, yeah, I got to catch up with that storyline. Yeah. He goes, oh, I'm positive it's real. I mean, the Lord was so specific about this, this Laodicean message, so specific about a comet, May 7th, 1983. This was written three years earlier. So specific, there would be a Gideon company of people. And again, this is really personal to us because God speaks audibly on November 7th. On November 15th, you're gonna hear, but it's not limited to us. God's got this kind of word. It's so many applications. It's for the Body of Christ across the earth, but it was really personal to us. So Howard comes and visits probably, I think twice for five or 10 days each. I can't remember, but a week or something like that. I talked to him just hours and hours about this. I just, to get the story more, I go, what is that sign on May 7th? He goes, I don't have a clue what it was. I said, we, a comet, May 7th, God told us, get it. He goes, I'm positive this is about you. I am here to tell you. The Lord sent me back to talk to you. I'm going, Lord, this is, and I've got, and I, for 38 years, and I'm, this is no uh, hero statement. I tell you, I don't have strength to doubt this. I am absolutely positive this is going to happen. 
that that in that three weeks, not, it's not just an answer to that. That was just one of a thousand installments. But that was the beginning of a storyline that has Daniel 9 is a global end time. You got to read Daniel 9. is a global end time uh, uh, prophecy about the Messiah and the nations. Daniel 9 is really important. I just wanted to share the wow factor of this. I wanted to share how this word has kept me responding. I want to share this word that I am positive the body of Christ in America is going to get rescued. If I'm guessing, and it's a total guess, and Tracy, go ahead and come on up. Tracy Slyker. <clears throat> I didn't get very far in Revelation 3, but hey, that's what the notes are for. <laughs> She's got a dream about this, but go ahead and get the mic somewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> if I'm guessing and I have no facts for what I'm saying, I've said this a few times. On a bunch of Zoom calls, I'm saying the same thing. I'm guessing there's two or three million on fire believers that are, have a vibrant spirit. Two or three million. And there's probably 20 or 30 million, 40 million truly born-again believers in America. Maybe, I don't know, 20 to 40 million. I don't really even know. Different numbers and stats, you know. It's, but the two to three million has to, on fire, has to go to 20 or 30 million. Because if there's not 20 or 30 million, when the 50 million great harvest in America comes, if they're not brought into a spiritually hot environment, and when I mean spiritually hot, I mean engaged with the Lord at the heart level. And I'm not talking about the volume of a worship service and the kind of music. Some people, that was really hot because it was loud. Everybody was shouting and screaming. And I appreciate that. But that's not what I mean when I say hot. I mean engaged at the heart level in a sustained way. And then all those other things can be a... a, a, a can flow out of that. If the 50 million come in and there's 30 million that are, their spirits are alive and engaged and they have a testimony that they were rescued from a spirit of compromise, spirit of dullness, a spirit of boredom, the humility and the spiritual environment of thousands of congregations, tens of thousands, there's about 400, 500,000 congregations in America, several hundred thousand of them, the 50 million come into and they get engaged in the apostolic gospel instead of the gospel of the American dream, which is a distortion. But I want to tell you this. I am positive God is going to rescue us, even you. Because everybody, I've done said this for years, everybody believes God's going to rescue the group, but not them. I, I, I'm not a psychologist, but 90% of you are positive he's going to rescue the church, he's going to rescue us. But you're not sure he's going to rescue you. I want to expose that as a human, natural way of thinking. And God wants to break that unbelief and that lie that his strength isn't enough to rescue even you. Tracy. I just want to share that last Friday night when we heard this message, um, I got just a little weepy before the Lord. I, I actually... I. I would actually say I was a little bit mad. <laughs> I, I don't, I've never in my life in God read Revelation 3 about me. The Laodicean church, I just never read it about me. It's not that group down the road, isn't it? Yeah, like those really compromised believers. And uh, so at the end of the service, I, I was wrestling before the Lord like I need, to, I, I need to ask him, is this, am I 
under this spirit? And I found myself just almost afraid to hear the answer. Afraid that like, of course he's gonna say yes. And then I'm gonna feel really terrible. And uh, I was actually also afraid to ask because what if he doesn't answer in my own mind, my own self-condemnation. I just known how I'm prone to think the worst. And I was just so careful and afraid to ask him. And by the end of the altar ministry time, I conjured up the courage to just really... You mean last Friday, right? Last Friday, a week ago. Like after this message about Revelation 3, I, I locked in and closed my eyes and I got to that quiet space with the Lord and I asked him like, am I lukewarm? And when he, and he answered me and, and he said, yes, yeah. But it was not what I expected. I didn't feel condemnation. I didn't feel the, the, the fear and dread that I thought I would feel if God said that to me. I felt deep love, the love of a father who was being so tender and honest with me. And I just cried and cried and cried and cried. And, and I was kind of mad. Like, I can't explain. I think I was just... Wait, wait the, on the mad for a moment. I want the worship team to come up and get ready. And I want you to take as much time as you want. Okay. But I want them to come up and get ready so when yeah. the rest of us are mad, sad, and glad, <laughs> all in the same emotion and the same human heart, we can respond <laughs> together with you. <laughs> worship team, come on up. I turned to Dana Candler. I'm crying, kind of mad. Like, how can I live my whole Christian life and... How could I have gotten this far, God? And how could I have done what I was doing today and yesterday and not known, not seen this, but so glad at the same time that I finally see it. And yet I looked at my friend Dana and I was like, she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, am I lukewarm? And she just kind of held her head down and she's like, probably. (laughs) What are friends for? She's like, I think we all are, you know? And I was like, Hey, if Dana is under this, we're in good shape. I was such a good answer because if she had said no, I knew that wasn't true, you know? But so, but you guys, it's Friday night and Saturday, I was just crying and angry and under it and kind of like, I don't want anyone to talk to me because I don't want the Lord to stop making me feel his presence and his heavy hand on me. But I also... I don't know, I just cried because I just felt his presence. And I mean, so Sunday night, I I went to bed and I, all through the night, I could hardly sleep. I'd sort of toss and turn. And when I'd, when I'd toss and turn, I'd ask the Lord, am I really lukewarm? Am I really, and what are you gonna do about it? Am I really, what do I do now? And how do you get me out of this? But I don't wanna get out of this too fast. I love that you're with me and I love that I'm feeling you, but this is terrible news and just all this. And I had a dream and that's what Wait, I wanted to share. Before the dream, question. Yeah. You said you felt angry. What are you angry at? I think I felt kind of mad that like I, and my dream kind of explains it a little, like why I felt mad. Kind of like, how come nobody told you? Like when you talked for two hours to somebody and then you go in the bathroom and you see giant broccoli in your teeth, you know, like why didn't anybody tell me all this time? But yet they love you too much to tell you that you have broccoli. So in mad your because teeth. the truth hasn't been given to you but hopeful because it has been given to you, yeah. but sad because it's true. Because I'm grieved that I'm lukewarm. So it's everything. It's what a bunch of <laughs> us I, feel right I, now. Yeah, and I kind of, what have I been doing all this time thinking I was not lukewarm and thinking I loved Jesus and yet... What you did. I did, yeah, and he really spent real, yeah. all these years teaching me that he loves me and my weakness and my, and my heart is precious to him and my yes, and my weak yes is so precious. So in my dream, I'll just close with sharing my dream. But not in a hurry. <laughs> This is really important, actually. It really is. Um, 
because 90% of the room is relating to what you're saying right now. I don't mean they're all mad, but, but they're all like, yeah, I think I am, but maybe not, but I yeah. probably am, but are you mad if I am, Lord? Yeah. Thank you, do you love me? <laughs> We're all kind of in this conversation. Yeah. So in my, in my dream, I'm at a college helping students, and that's what my job is. In real life, I work, I help you, I help the students. So in my dream, I'm doing tours, I'm helping the students find their way around, I'm answering questions, and I, I'm, I'm, I would walk down the hall and groups of students were following behind me. The symbolism is thick, right? I'm leading students at a school. Um, but, and as I'm working in my dream, I start to, I start to realize I smell like I'm dirty. Like I start to think like, oh, I hope nobody can see how dirty I am. And I, I'm realizing I need to finally, I need to get by myself and like change my clothes and clean myself up like I, I need a shower. And I'm, I'm smiling at people and acting like, but even though I'm smiling, I'm thinking, holy cow, I hope they don't notice how much I smell, how dirty I am. And, and then, then finally I get into like a bathroom. I'm alone, I'm in this little bathroom and I turn to look my back is just covered in filth. And it's just, I mean, like, just caked on filth. Like, not subtle, not a little bit, just filthy. My clothes Like you look filthy. in the mirror type thing, right? Yeah, I was looking in the mirror and I just saw. And uh, it was, again, that same feeling of like, oh my gosh, how come nobody told me how filthy I was yet? I'm so grateful that the people who love me didn't make me feel terrible and point out how filthy I was. And when I woke up from the dream, again, I just feeling the presence of the Lord and how much he loves me and how kind he's been and how caring now he is being to answer the question that he could have told me last year, he could have told me last month, but just last week on Friday when I finally asked, he was the good father who came close and just answered me honestly and said, yeah, yeah, you're lukewarm. So I just want to encourage you guys. His love is so close, his fatherly kindness. He's so caring, but I don't want to be in a hurry to answer the questions. How does he fix this? How do I get out of this? How do I get better? I don't want to be in a hurry. I'm so grateful to finally have my eyes opened and see. And I, because he opened my eyes, I'm now waiting, the trusting him that he will help me be sincere before him and really rise up and come after him and really buy that gold that he talks about in Revelation 3. And so that's my dream. Oh, just wait for it. Yeah. I'm going to pray Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you. He who began a good work in you. whispers in your heart. Did I begin something that I don't have power to finish? Did I stir you up to leave you to your own? Tracy, I will bring it to pass. I will bring it to pass in you. And I will bring it to pass through you in the lives of others. Did I not begin a good work in you? Wasn't this my work? For you have loved me, and your love has been real. But I've come after your heart. 
I'm coming after your heart. I'm going to give up and just get ready because we're ready to go here in a second. I want to point out one point that was somebody made in one of the meetings earlier. The Revelation 3, 17, the Lord looks at them, the Laodiceans, because they were pretty content. He says, you don't know. You're spiritually wretched and you're spiritually poor. You're spiritually blind and naked. You're miserable. You're spiritually miserable. Here's, here was the point that I loved that was brought up earlier this week in one of the meetings. They said, you don't know you're wretched and miserable spiritually because they were content in the sense of this is, this is doable. And when the Lord said you're wretched and miserable, that was a word of hope. It wasn't, I want you to feel wretched. If this is wretched and it's doable, think what the fulfillment's going to look like. You are going to be fascinated with me. If you're doing pretty good now and I call it wretched, what do I mean when I say I'm going to deliver you? Your heart will be thriving spiritually. You'll be thrilled with the knowledge of God. I'm going to fascinate you. You're good with wretched. You just didn't know that's wretched. I have so much more for you. So he that began a good work in you, Tracy, put your name in this all over the room. I will bring it to pass. For when I send my word, the Isaiah 55, when I send my word, it will not return back to me void and fruitless. I have sent my word to this community. I've sent my word to you, Tracy. I've sent my word to those that will listen. I am knocking. I am knocking. And when the, somebody knocks and nobody responds initially, then his voice is heard. He says, if you hear my voice, I've been knocking and I haven't had a good response. So now I'm shouting through the door to you. I'm coming after you, IHOP. I'm coming after your heart. I've been knocking and not so many have opened. So now I'm shouting while I'm knocking. If you will listen, I will give you gold. If you will listen, I will dine with you. If you will listen, I will do things in your heart that you cannot imagine. I hop, I'm coming after your heart. You are the darling of my heart like so many others. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
started a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. Jesus, we were busy in our 
ministry, we were busy. We were distracted with the cares of this life, weighed down under the cares of this life. Jesus, we didn't know that it was you knocking. But we say we hear your voice today. I ask God that you would awaken the yearning, the bridal love, the bridegroom love, the longing to be gracious toward us. You are longing to be gracious toward us. You are ready to forgive. You're on the edge of your seat, ready to show mercy. your leadership is perfect. We say our times are in your hands. Have you not led us perfectly? Even now, your spirit working within us personally and as a people. Jesus, we say your leadership is perfect. We agree. We agree. God, have your way. Do a deep work. Do a deep We say you will do it. You will 
rescue your church. You will rescue me. As Mike said, even me. You will rescue me, God. We personalize it. We take it to heart. We say we believe you, Jesus. Have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way.
to the end.